to Modern Animism Radio. I'm your host, Laura Giles. Thank you all for tuning in. We are gearing up for another holy day, the Feast of Transformation. I hope you guys are staying safe during Corona while you observe the holy days. It certainly has been different, hasn't it? Uh, we're planning an exciting but small program here, and I can't wait to see those of you who are going to be here. Now, in a conversation with one of those people who's going to be here, I was absolutely bowled over when she said that her ancestors had abandoned her. I was literally struck dumb for a second and wanted to share my take on that. But first, let's give the ancestors their due. I acknowledge and thank the element of Earth and ask that you bring in stability so that we may move forward with a strong foundation so that we stay rooted in our humanity, our spirit, our families, and to the Earth itself. I call in the element of air and ask that we borrow your intellect so that we're logical, makes sense, and can remain detached from the information that comes through. I call in the element of fire and ask that you bring to this podcast your ability to purify so that we can see things within us that have become stale or in need of releasing. I call in the element of water to bring wisdom from the unconscious so that which is hidden deep can come to our awareness. I ask that our loving, helping ancestors be with us today to help guide us in the direction that we most need to go so the information that needs to be shared is shared, and that which needs to be heard is heard and embraced. I'd also like to express gratitude to our human, plant, animal, and mineral helping ancestors for helping us in all the ways that are seen and unseen. Despite all the hardship that we face this year due to COVID-19, joblessness, death, uh, loneliness, isolation, food shortages, we all have so much to be grateful for that I don't want to exclude anyone when giving thanks. So I'd like to thank you, of course, our listeners, for tuning in and supporting us with your donations. We are a listener-sponsored station, and we cannot continue to bring you content without your support. So please keep that love chain going. And if you haven't donated yet and you want to, you can do that on our website at www.pansociety.net at the bottom of the page. And don't forget that we also have the Kiva team. Kiva is an organization that helps people all over the world to attain sustainability. So what happens is supporters loan $25 at a time, and it is a loan. It's not a gift. You can get it back if you like. And then they pool all their money together so that people can do things like go to college, get transportation, pay medical bills, uh, invest in a business, or buy supplies that allow them to expand. So you're definitely doing somebody a good turn. And if you're blessed, it's a way of saying, you know, high five, thank you, universe, for all that I have, and sending that money back around. So we at Pan Society, we don't get anything for having you part of our lending team. It's more like a cheerleading thing. It's kind of like saying, hey, let's uh, get together and do some good deeds. So for me, when I see that we have however many loans, I don't even know how many loans we have now, it makes me want to help more. So if I've lent to 30 countries, I want to make it 35. You know what I'm saying? So together, we can make a big difference in that way. And there are so many people right now with so much less than we have. So if you can help, you know, let's do that. We're all in this together. So have you felt like your ancestors have abandoned you? I I have to tell you that I was really, really floored by that statement. I just couldn't even believe, as an animist, uh, that 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 could even be a thing, a thought, a, you know. So, so we all have these thoughts, and then we we bring in this data, and then we filter it through our experiences, and then we come up with a conclusion. 
couldn't believe that that could be a conclusion. So when I get in that space, what I do is I like go to the dictionary. What does this mean? Now, maybe that is what they mean. Maybe it's not what they mean. Sometimes, you know, the dictionary is like the authority on what a word means, but it's not the authority on my experience. So abandoned means to desert, to give up, to cast away. Can a person be deserted, given up, cast away by their ancestors? I say (laughs) no. So I think well, I know from from we had a conversation about this, so I know that what she meant was she felt abandoned by them. She felt a disconnect from them, uh, from the people that she knew who had died and passed on, and from the ones that uh, were were beyond that, the ones she didn't know. So what happens? And here, I'm kind of speaking generically here and, and making a lot of assumptions here, but I think that for a lot of people, and this particular person was not born an animist, so, you know, she doesn't come from that background. So it's coming from a Judeo-Christian Western and then kind of bringing all that with her into the animist perspective. So what happens is, for a lot of people, you go back in time, and at some point, our lines went from being animist to something else, to Jewish, to Christian, to whatever, Islamic, um, and there are so many other religions that they, they could possibly be in that are non-animist, and they don't have an ancestor connection. So when you stop honoring the ancestors, and I don't just mean the human ones, the plant, the animal, all of the, the mineral ones as well, then you forget how to hear their voices and it it's like they that you know when people said they're dead that you can't hear them they're, they're gone it's it's like they're gone and so the only thing that exists for you is are the things that exist here on this earth now um lots of religious paths have spirits and maybe these spirits can come to you and they can talk to you in dreams they can guide you and that kind of thing so it's not totally gone, but, you know, the thousands of years of people that stretch back behind you, you don't have that. You don't have the deep roots and the sense of belonging to a tradition, to a path, to a family, to four families. You know, your mother's your mother, your, your mother's mother, your mother's father, father's mother, father's mother, those four families. You don't have that. <clears throat> You might have one spirit guide, like your grandmother or something like that. So, Or maybe not. If you feel abandoned by them, you probably don't even have that. So that can leave us feeling adrift. If we had an abusive family, and there's so many people like this now, you know, you, you have a dysfunctional family. It, pretty much everybody's dysfunctional in their own way, and everybody splinters off, and usually there's a one black sheep who's just weird, and that weird one is probably the most healthy one. Uh, in a lot of cases, they're the ones that can be the catalyst for people to wake up by by sharing their quote unquote weird ideas. Um, but even even if the case, you know, because they bear so much of the burden, that person can just be swallowed in by all of it, and then they ended up not being that that savior for the family. So, anyways, you got all this disconnection, and then it goes down from year to year, family to family, generation to generation, and it feels like your people have abandoned you. That's actually not what's going on. It's just that you have not learned how to hear their voices. 
You've not learned how to tune in. So we need this connection to those people because life's hard. <laughs> Life is hard. And if you don't have that deep sense of belonging and roots and hope, especially like look at what's going on today. I don't, I, in my whole life, I've never seen anything as chaotic as it is right now. I think we can all say that safely, right? I mean, well, some of us lived through, you know, maybe you're a Holocaust survivor, and then I'll say, okay, you had it harder. But there's not really a whole lot else that was ever this global and this bad for this long. And, I, you know, and now I'm, I'm getting all these exceptions in my head. I'm not a war refugee, so let me just back off of that. I'll just say for me, I've never seen anything that, that's this bad. Um, so when we get these big things, we need help. It's it's somebody, I, I don't know where this came from, but I heard the definition of trauma. And trauma is when your hurt is so big that you can no longer contain it and it spills out onto other people. This is happening on a global scale. So who who can hold our hand? Who's going to help? Who Who is not burdened in some kind of way? Who Who doesn't have more than they can handle right now? It's not a lot of people. So when we have things like this, or even just in the family, it doesn't have to be global. You know, even if it's just in your family and it starts to spill over like this, you don't have resources because your parents and your brothers and your sisters and your grandparents are all dysfunctional too, what are you going to do? That's why we need this. We can draw on the strength of the ancestors. And so let's say, you know, because you have this dysfunctional family, you don't really trust that. Okay, let's go first to the land, okay? So well, another thing that we don't have now is we don't have connections to the land. So it used to be in tribal societies, your people would stay on the land, and that would be your land for, I don't know, generations. You'd be connected to it, you'd know it, you'd know every stick on the land, every animal on the land. We don't have that now. Now I live in the woods, and every day that I go walking in the woods, it's a different day. It's a different wood. The, the light's different. The sounds are different. You can see nature unfold in front of you. You know, one day when it feels a little colder, or one day when you see mushrooms when they weren't there the day before, or you see the, um, the fiddleheads unfurl. You know, all of that takes place in just a short period of time, and every day is new. And if you're not there out on it, you miss it. It's like watching the sunrise. So I go out in the morning and I breathe on the back porch before the sun's up. And you can see the and the sun is up, but it's not up in the sky high enough where you can see it because I'm on the I'm not on the shore, I'm on you know, I'm in the woods. So that it has to come up above the trees before you can see the yellow and the gold in the sky. So it's just gray. And then if I'm out there at the right time of day, then you see the the gold coming in and all the colors changing. All of that happens yeah, but you got to be there to see it happen. And if you're not there and you don't have that relationship, then you can feel apart from the land. It's something that you maybe don't even notice. If you're not taking any resources from the land, if you're not planting anything there, for sure, you know, you're not really relating to it. It's not giving you anything. You're not giving it anything. You're not interacting with it. And this is really important, too, because it gives us a sense of belonging. If I live here... And my, my people lived here. They died here. They're buried here. I have roots here, right? So we have in our group um, a guy in England, and we've done a podcast with him. He's Johnny, and we talked about hospitality, if you want to go check him out. 
and he's a fantastic storyteller. So he can tell you all about his area, and it's not just the geography of the area. He can tell you all about that, but he can tell you about the people, um, the cultures, who came in, what contributions they brought in, how they molded the landscape, the people, the culture, the languages. You know, I mean, like, I don't know, thousands of years he can go back, and it's just really, really fascinating to hear him tell these stories. And not just that, but he can tell you stories about specific people. You know, here's the local hero of this town who did that. And when I'm talking about this town, it's like really close, small area, close to where he lives. Um, and there, some of them are funny stories, and some of them are kind of hero stories. But it gives you a sense of these are the people that I came from. So you've got your family as ancestors, you've got your, uh, what would you call, community as ancestors, and you've got your land. So it's not like if you want to be, <laughs> you don't have to be abandoned. They didn't let you go. It's you let them go. Or maybe you didn't know that they were there. You didn't know how to connect with them. All of this is still available to us because they're all in you. Nothing ever got lost. It's all in you. When I open the show and I give thanks to the elements, why do I do that? So I do that because between, I don't know, I don't know, they said that the earth was, was created four and a half billion years ago. I don't know how back, how far back humans began, but I don't even want to hazard a guess and sound stupid, but let's say that it was X number of years ago. So between X and today, there are all these people that came to create me. And they have all of these elements and all of these stories. And the stories morph, you know, and they have all of these religions, all of these cultures, and, you know, whoever whoever controls the the narrative is the, is the winner, the, the victor. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. And even among archaeologists, you hear these things with archaeologists, and you find out, oh, no, they're wrong. Or the archaeologist's story will conflict with the local tribespeople's story. And you, you go with the archaeologist until you find, oh, no, guess what? The primitive people who didn't have any writing were actually right after all. So they, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of confusion. So to, in order to shortcut all of that, you know, scratch all that out, ooh, I don't know, because a lot of us don't know, you know, just go to the element. It's pure. They're, they're always the same. So if you tap into those elements in, inside of you, that's going to tell you your story. And I, it, it's one of those things, and I go back to this, and I'm super sorry, but it's the truth, that it's, when you hit that kernel of truth, it is emotional. It's, not, it's hard to translate an emotion into words because it comes up, for me at least, you know, I'm a gut person, and I, and I roll from my gut. So my gut will speak to me, and then it goes up into my head, translates into language, comes out my mouth, and then it's totally diminished. It's one of these things that you say, you know, the Tao that cannot be named is not the Tao. Same thing. So when I'm saying that, that, you know, that purity of thing, it's just a sense of, aha, I know this. This is the truth. So when you go into your meditation or you, you contact your, your ancestors, your spirits, the land, whatever, they're not talking to you in words. Trees don't speak in words. The earth doesn't speak in words. It's symbolic. It's a feeling. And if you're not sure how to speak that language, you're going to have a hard time figuring out what it's saying. So the elements speak in that language. They speak in pictures sometimes if you're uh, dreaming, maybe, or they send you visions. They're, they can be pictures. So I'd learn how to do that. You know, go into your creativity 
um, doodle, do mandalas, do uh, journaling, any kind of free-form creative stuff that helps you to open up your creative pathways. And then dance or sing. You know, those are creative too. And then kind of play with that and, and translate it into a sense of knowing where you don't have to bring it into words. And then when you get kind of comfortable with that, go out in the woods and do it. Dance in the woods. Dance with the wind. Dance with the trees. And see what the trees are saying. And you're going to say to yourself, oh, my God, I am such a nutcase. I'm a tree hugger. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you're going to have this sense of connection if you allow yourself. That's going to help you to say, okay, I'm making my stand here. Maybe I haven't been here that long, but I'm going to connect with these trees and I'm going to belong here. And that is how you can start to reconnect with your world around you, your natural world around you. You know, there's a place in the the park where I often hike, and I love beech trees. And there's two beech trees that I like in particular because they're just super friendly and that just where they're positioned is just real easy to get to. And it's like when I come up to them, it's like they, they can sense me before I get there. And then when I, we get there, it's like we have a little wee moment, you know. It's like, oh, you're back. I love you. And sometimes if it's the wrong time of day, they seem a little sleepy, like they're not really paying attention. Like, I don't know. I, I have a sense. I'm not, somebody can tell me if this is true or not. But that, you know, like with people, your energy uh, peaks at a certain time of day and then it starts to slow down. I think it's at a, a time of day where their their energy is slowing down. and um, they're just maybe not paying attention, but but they will wake up. But they feel really different at the, in the morning than the midday or twilight. Totally different feeling. And you'll get this if you just spend time with them. And sometimes you can walk up and, and it's just the air is just so tingly and crisp. I, I don't know. I never really sat down to notice if it was like a full moon or something. But it, it's like when you're coming up on a, a space where a ritual is held. And it's like they have, it's like we went to, um, I don't know, it was a town in Wales where they had the Estefan um, one year and they have this this uh, stone circle. And you can tell, so they have these like all over in Wales, but some of them are just used that year for the ritual or the, the festival and then abandoned. But you could tell in this particular place that it's a place of worship. Because as we were walking, we were like pretty far away from it, actually. And you could feel the energy just resonating even before we walked up to it. And then by the time you got into the middle of it, it was just like everywhere. You know, the land was so alive and just so, mm, I don't know, and just just so, so vibrant because it has been tended and loved and your land could be like that, too. You can have a relationship with a land like that. All you have to do is just give it your love and attention. Interact with it. It could be one tree. It could be your whole thing. It could be your community. It could be your country. You know, but we have to make these connections happen. The land is a very different thing than a person. The land is there for, I don't know, it remembers. It remembers you. So, for example, I may have told this story before somewhere. Um, because it was such a profound experience for me that, that I repeated a lot. So I had this, um, I guess I'll start from the really beginning of it. So I had a past life regression, one of the very first ones that I ever did, so probably early in the early 90s, okay? And I couldn't, I got this regression. Normally they click for you right away. 
you know exactly what it's about. You know why you got it. This was kind of random. Um, I was a man in Cornwall, and I was a thief, and I was bitter. So just, like, not like me at all. I'm like, why did I get this? I don't understand. Um, a decade passed, and I went to England for the first time, and um, I decided that I wanted to go to Cornwall because I knew I had a past life here, and I just wanted to see if anything would click. Didn't have any particular destination in mind. I just, you know, let's just check this thing out because I do that. I go on um, – Ancestor pilgrimages, I'll, if I have a past life inkling, I'll go someplace just to see, you know, just to see what there's to see. So I go to Cornwall, and oh, my God. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I'm literally crying at just being there. It felt like such a homecoming, and not just because I had that memory, that guy's memory of having lived there, because his life was not a happy one. Um, and the next piece of that came later when I had a, a dream that I was the shore. And the way that we think of things is like, okay, this is a cup, this is a pencil, this is a person, this is a cloud, and everything is really well defined. So it, it would be kind of stupid to say I'm the shore because the shore is water, it's sand, it's air, it's clouds, it's storms, it's waves, it's all of these things. But in my dream, I was the shore. I was all of it. So they, they, in the dream, there was no separation of all of that. It was just a sense of being on this cove, basically. I'm a whole cove. And I um, mem- remembered that people lived there. Different people came and went. And there were uh, there was a town. The town came and went. Different people came in. There was a war. That came and went. New people came in. You know, it was just timeless. and. I could feel my relationship to the people, the different people that came. I could feel the way that the the ocean came in and and kind of it's hard to, to, again. I'm at this place where there's no words for this experience. It, it was the same with the sand, but not the same with the sand. It was it was in the rain and all of it. It was just a sense of oneness, but belonging all of this stuff belonged together and all these people belonged together and it was it was just that experience plus the being a human there and then visiting there it was so much like a it was like a soul homecoming not just as a it's just it's it's such a big thing to capture it's not like a person going you know to their hometown not at all <laughs> that is like a fraction of of the sentiment that I'm trying to express. But that's kind of what I'm trying to capture in telling you the story is that this deep sense of belonging and this deep sense of ancestry, you cannot be abandoned by that. You can only let the string go. Fortunately, though, that string is out there and it's just waving in the wind, waiting for you to catch it. So you can do it through your past life memories. You can do it through the land. You can make a connection with the land where you are. You can do it to your people now, which is going to be probably the hardest thing if your people were not the most fabulous people. So you can heal stuff. Um, I would start with someone easy. Assuming you have living people, I would start with someone easy um, and just build that relationship with them. And then through there, I would probably do loving kindness. I have a, a video on YouTube about how to do that if you want to do that. And it will reduce your 
uh, barriers to being connected with them. So you may not ever reach out to them. Maybe they're always going to be toxic. It's okay. But as long as your heart is open to them and you're not sending out the the barriers, then then you'll heal yourself. Another thing you can do is if you don't have anybody that's that's receptive or alive or not toxic, you can um, do your genealogy. So do kind of an intellectual search of who your people are. Find out, let's say, if you find out that your people were Bosque, for example, or pick any any culture. It could be any culture. And then find out, well, who were the Bosques? You know, who were the uh, the travelers of Ireland? Who were the gypsies from Egypt? Who were the Tarek? Who were the whoever, you know? Who were the Appalachian people? Where did they come from? And then find out about them because there's stories in there that belong to you. Maybe not you specifically, maybe not your grandparents, but your 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 uh, culture, your the people that you came from. Their people is your story. Their story is your story. It'll tell you a lot about yourself. You know, if you knew that, uh, so for example, the um, Quechua of Peru mummified their people. You're like, well, and they and they put them in these little holes. And I don't know if they're man-made. They look like they're man-made holes in the mountains. And then they bring them down. And they're, like, really, really high. So first thing you figure out is how did these people, I mean, they're, like, they had to be, like, really nimble to get up in these places. And it's just really breathtaking how somebody could climb up there. So they put them up there. And then periodically they take them down for festivals and, and things like that. And lots of actually, lots of, Cultures do this with the bones. There, there are people that honor the bones, and they do this all over the world. You know, wouldn't you want to know that about your people? Why do they do that? What does it mean? Is that a custom that you want to observe or at least understand? These kind of things tell you things about yourself, things that, you know, you won't know until you go, oh. You know, the funny thing about Johnny, so he's in England, and he's telling me these stories about his land, and some of my people come from England. and and he tells me stories, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's why this happens. Oh, that's why this. That's why that. It's such a cool thing to understand because, like, for example, when I was a little kid, my next-door neighbor would go fishing at the Great Lakes every summer and comes back with coolers and coolers of fish. So I would go over there, and I would help him um, clean them, you know, cut the heads off, scale them, gut them, all of that stuff. And he would give us fish heads. And my mom, and fish too, but, <laughs> and my mom would put the fish heads in the garden when she's planting stuff or, you know, because it was in the summer, she probably wasn't planting stuff. She was more like fertilizing stuff that was already there. So I grew up thinking that this was something, so my mom's an immigrant and I'm thinking this is something that, you know, she asked him for the fish heads because it was something that she did from her hometown. And it's not until I'm an adult and I'm talking to my friend that, who is Native American, and he's like, oh, yeah, we do that too. And I'm thinking, well, isn't that strange? You know, I guess these customs come from all over the world. (laughs) No. Uh, So (laughs) it didn't occur to me that my neighbor was part Native American, and she got the idea from him. (laughs) So it wasn't a custom from my mom's people. 
And this is how, you know, these stories can get confused. So if you, one, asking about the stories, finding out about the culture can clear stuff up. But it can it can parse out like what belongs to you and what doesn't belong to you. Um, another thing that you can do. So let's say if you do the genealogy, you do the cultural research, you you find the one person who is receptive and trying to branch out from there. Um, you can also create spirit connections. So if you have a way of meditating or doing what you do to talk to spirit, keeping yourself safe as you're doing that, because you don't want to open the door to boogeyman. Um, so ask us about that, because I'm, I'm not going to talk about that on a podcast. But um, what you can do is, is find the last well person. So at some point, this intergenerational trauma started to happen, this separation from spirit started, separation from animism, separation from spirit, separation from tending the dead happened. Okay? So if it happened... so. It's really convenient to say that it happened with the advent of Christianity 2,000 years ago, but that's it really wasn't that simple because it was kind of gradual. If you look at around the world today, there are still lots of Christian cultures who have um, ancestor-tending practices. So it's not like it, 2,000 years ago there was an abrupt switch, or if you're Jewish, 5,000 years ago there was an abrupt switch. It, you just don't know. So you, you, what you do is you go back until you find the last person who had that connection, the last tending, where the ancestors were tended, and that person is well in spirit. So by well in spirit, I mean that they crossed over fully. They um, have the ability to help you in a way that's not tainted by all the junk that they have that's still unresolved and by their human experience. So a lot of people think, well, I'll just talk to the Ouija board, you know, and I'll get some advice from dead people. Just because a person is dead doesn't mean they're wise. So if I died right now, I'm going to still have all my human junk that I had while I was alive, unless I've crossed over. So it's like asking your drug addict uncle... For advice, just because he's dead. <laughs> you don't want to do that. He's not a wise guy. So you want to pick the wise one. And that's why I say the one who's fully crossed over. That's why I always say um, loving, helping ancestors. You want that one. You don't want the junky ones. Okay? So you're going to go back, find one of those, and then use that one to help to guide you to clean clean up your junk in the family, to make that connection. You're going to tend that one, that line. And until it gets brighter and vibrant and strong and healthy and can be a source of um, love and direction and roots for you. I'd probably save that one for last. I'd probably reach out for the, to the living people, to the land. And I wouldn't underestimate how important that land connection is. And to the cultures. Um, and there's going to be, so I thought that everybody had like really diverse family trees. In, in the recent past, um, you know, we think everybody's like us. It's actually not all that true. <laughs> I mean, people, uh, ancient people were travelers and they did mingle and stuff, but as I'm looking at more and more and more and more people's uh, genealogy tree, mine is really, really super diverse in the recent years. Um, so you might have to, uh, it's probably not going to be all that um, uh, colorful. But you can look at the good, you can look at the bad, 
in in a people. And I would keep it holistic because there's a temptation, I think, today to paint people as villains. Now, there's some people who think the Vikings were really bad guys. There's some people who say, oh, yeah, I'm Viking. You know, they're really proud of it. Uh, there's good and there's bad. Um, I won't say good and bad. There there are uh, life-affirming things about them, creative things about them, and things that are not so much. Okay, but if you go back far enough, you're going to see that your people came from wherever they came from, and then eventually that path leads back to Africa. So your people, my people, everybody's people were travelers, and we all have this common root. And sometimes you're going to be a good guy, sometimes you're going to be not so great guys, you know. And I think that's part of the journey, too, is accepting that it's not all good, it's not all bad, it's not all... Just because your people were not very functional lately doesn't mean that that's who you are. You come from a long line of love who came together to create you. And in most cases, when they came together, it was in love and it was with hope. You know, I know that there is some rape, pillaging, burn, and all that stuff did happen. We all have that in our backgrounds too. But most of the time, there are stories of love. And I think that is the most important thing to keep in mind and to hold on to for the rest of your life. So, you know, even when things are not going so well, if you can remember, hey, this started in love, it can give you hope to turn it around again. If I saw something wonderful in you at one time, isn't that still there? You know, if somebody saw something wonderful in me, isn't that still there? So whether you're together or not, that love, is still there. That thing that you found lovely is still there. You can nurture that. Nurture that in you. Find that in you. Your ancestors have not abandoned you. You've just forgotten how to talk their language. And it's not the easiest thing to learn because it's like a foreign language now. But you can learn it. You can learn it. So if you want more about that, um, this, it's really not the kind of thing, like I said, to talk about on a podcast because it's kind of in-depth. But join us on the Facebook group. Join us in the mentoring program. We can get you started on that. And keep the questions and comments coming. As you can see, they really do add to the conversation and um, make things – it helps us to to make the content relevant to you and to where you are. So if you have questions or comments, I invite you to email me at laura at pansociety.net. Keep those coming. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Modern Animism Radio. If you'd like to donate, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash society, And be sure to subscribe to our channel so that you can be notified when the next podcast posts. You can do that on iTunes or Twitter. And you can also like us on Facebook if you like and you haven't already. So I'm Laura Giles, and I will see you all next week. Ciao.